Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Gym Class All-Stars. As always, we're sponsored by Vigit. Bet fake coins, win more prizes. Use our promo code All-Stars when you sign up. Help support the show. All right. So, a lot has happened since our last episode. Um, something of note, the NFL draft uh, is in its last day today. We're recording this on a Saturday. And... Um, We've been alive for a while. <laughs> Sounds like a stupid lead-in, but this one, this draft particularly, has been kind of a letdown and just kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of talent. And maybe that's a byproduct of just the overall NFL offseason being so exciting and just like a literal soap opera. But the NFL draft happened, and... For an underwhelming class in general, I think it was pretty eventful so far. We're in the fourth round right now. They're going to finish up the last three rounds by 7 p.m. today. But a lot has happened over the last two days. Yeah, you mentioned it as a soap opera, though. They're not, not to say that there hasn't been a whole lot of drama still throughout throughout this draft so far. And basically, when when trade uh, excuse me, once pick ten was selected, the trades just went wild. And it's been very exciting, despite the fact that the draft itself is, yeah, a little bit underwhelming in terms of, of the depth of it. Well, before we get into sort of, I think <laughs> it almost seems like they needed to compensate. Like the first 10 picks like are always good. They're high profile mm-hmm. names and you have sort people know or they know of the names and they sort of know where each prospect's going to fall. Uh, I feel like that was almost compensation for just you know, the back half maybe being a little bit lackluster. But with this being said, I think we should get into the top 10 picks and uh, kind of talk about some of them because it felt clear cut and then it wasn't. And then it became clear cut after sort of a few days right before the draft. Yeah, it was no one. No one really knew who was going to go first overall. It was a, it was it was a concept of, you know, best player right now versus potential upside. A lot, a lot of things shifted on draft day too. But the number one overall pick was to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a second straight year, and they selected the defensive end out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker. In this case, going with the guy who had the higher upside of the two prospects. Jacksonville's not going to be good for a couple years. They're aware of that, so I actually do think this was the guy for them because it allows him um, to more comfortably fit within their timetable and get uh, to you know the best of you know to get to his top, you know, the, the high, the top of his game at a comfortable pace for him rather than feeling like he needs to be rushed to catch up to where Lawrence is to catch up with where the rest of the team is. He's in a good spot with, with where they're at. Yeah, it seemed like for the longest time, Aiden Hutchinson was the clear-cut best product that would go number one. And he, after probably, I'd say two weeks ago is when that tide really started to change for Trayvon Walker really came into contention and ultimately ended up being the first overall pick. This, the whole thing I've been hearing is about upside. He has a lot of upside. He's a little bit more of a less, well, he's less refined than Aiden Hutchinson right off the bat. As being part of the Jaguars goes, and you have Peterson now, not Urban Meyer, but is that kind of scary where you're supposed to kind of find products that, click immediately. You're supposed to find those guys who are just like the Joey Boses of the world, the Chase Youngs, who are just so dominant right off the bat. And you have a guy who 
there's a good chance he won't be like that immediately. Is that scary? Yes, especially for a team like Jacksonville, who doesn't hit on all their draft picks, who hasn't been very good since Blake Bortles was around. I saw this, before I get into a little more about their their pick, I saw this terrible stat. Ten of the last 11 seasons, they finished with 10 or more losses. The only year they didn't, Blake Bortles took them to the AFC Championship game. Um, a little, little fun fact for you there. But, no, there, there's definitely a fear there, If especially if you didn't do all the homework there was to do on this guy. If maybe there's something that was missed, something that was overlooked. Um, because, yes, you can see the upside there. He has all the physical intangibles uh, to be a great player. But what if in two years there are other guys, you know, um, a team, Lawrence, uh, Josh Allen, they all take their steps and Walker still hasn't. You could have had Aiden Hutchinson who maybe wouldn't get as good as you. He was, you know, could have been, but would be where he needs to be for this team to start competing. It's a fear, but I, you know, at the end of the day, it was a toss up. We, and, and and they went with the guy they felt was right. You can't really blame them there. They didn't – hopefully did, didn't pull too many hairs trying to figure it out. They hopefully had a guy going with their gut, and they took Trayvon Walker. It's just tough because the last few classes of defensive tackles, defensive ends, the ends in this case, they were very highly touted. Mm-hmm. You had Bosa, you had Young. Miles Garrett was the same way. So – this one, not to say he's bad by any means. Like, he would have went easily top 10, I mean, top 5, without a doubt. But it's going to be, since they both play the position, him and Hutchinson, that's going to be kind of the comparison right off day one. And I want to see how he does with it, if Hutchinson breaks out to be really good right off the bat. But time will tell. And I don't think the Jaguars went wrong with this pick. I'm just very curious to see. What number two overall in this case, Aiden Hutchinson will do. Deanne out of Michigan got drafted to the Lions. Um, good, obviously great pick for the Lions team. They're trying to get young. They're trying to have upside. I saw the all-time worst tweet after this pick, though, from someone who was verified. I will not name names. <laughs> that said the Lions will be in the playoffs next year. Remember mm-hmm. this tweet. And I am in physical pain thinking about that. Part of it has to do with who they selected later on, yeah. but it definitely a good pick. It definitely helps the team. They're getting younger, but I, well, it's a good pick. I don't think it's going to be literal team altering, but definitely helps bolster defense. I, I, I have a few things I want to say about this pick. First of all, I always love when you know the the team drafts the hometown guy, so the guy from Michigan getting to play in Detroit. That's always pretty cool. Remember that though, that that kind of was a theme in the first round a bit. Um, right off the bat, Aiden Hutchinson does remind like I don't know if he'll get this good, but the way he plays, he reminds me of T.J. Watt. And obviously, as a Steelers fan, I don't say that lightly. Um, he has, in my mind, the best skill set in this entire draft. I don't know. What would necessarily hold him back, other than the fact that he's playing for the Detroit Lions? I do think they're further along in the rebuild process than a team like maybe Jacksonville is. Um, they, you know, they they had such an awful start to the year, but they actually had a few things come into place a little bit, especially offensively at the end of the year. Um, and Hutch, Hutchinson could be that bring the whole squad together type guy, the leader they need defensively, even if he doesn't end up being the 
best defensive player on whatever team maybe gets into the playoffs eventually, he's going to be a very important part of that team. Detroit knew this. If he was on the board, obviously they weren't going to let him fall farther than two. I, I, I think this is a home run of a pick, for, to, to be completely honest. I don't, he's not the best in coverage. That's why he reminds me of T.J. Watt a little bit. He really is more of a defensive end than maybe the, a linebacker position he played some of in college. But I, I, I have zero things really bad to say about this picture. Yeah, and, you know, the next few picks are still defensive, maybe more in the secondary. But you have Akuda. You're not really going to – you could go the route of drafting another cornerback, but you have your – uh, CB1, you could get a CB2, but I feel like that's almost a waste of the pick when there's other positions that need to be picked and bolstered. Exactly. Plus, you need to be able to stop both the run and the pass, not just one or the other, and this is hopefully something that can help them do that. I don't know. I feel like Dan Campbell would be the type of person to be like, we just need to stop the pass. It's not hard. <laughs> but He very well could be. Anyway, good pick. No problems with that. Um, Three and four, both cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU, three to the Texans. Texans kind of need help all around, so this is obviously a good pick. Uh, fun fact, I had not realized this. His grandfather is Daryl Stingley, who had one of the worst all-time injuries. Jack Tatum in a preseason game mm. hit him right in the head and paralyzed him. He's basically a paraplegic for the rest of his life, unfortunately. Um, sorry to be negative there, but I was shocked when I saw that story after he got drafted because I did I know of that hit and how vicious it was. That's why Jack Tatum was such a feared player because he would literally put people in the hospital. But um, great pick. LSU products have done very well in the past few years. This is no different, I'd imagine. What's intriguing is pick four. Ahmad Gardner, a.k.a. Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati, going to the Jets. Uh, I have – Gardner's the flashier player. If mm-hmm. you saw on uh, draft night, he had these chains. And one was like a Sauce bottle. Like beautiful-looking jewelry. Costs way more than I make in a year, guaranteed. But I'm a little concerned – with him in the sense of what is being elevated to him, that status, that promise in New York. And I'm not saying like, oh, it's a big market, but you're going to a place that had Darrell Revis and had Revis Island be existing thing. I think they're going to look at him in New York as the second coming of Darrell Revis, kind of like what Cowboys fans do with Trayvon Diggs being the second coming of Deion Sanders. However, Jets fans, I don't think are going to look at him in this dream objectified scenario. They're just going to be like, he's either good or he sucks. And the expectations are so high with that. Almost scary. And you have to compete against, maybe there's a bit of a chip on his shoulder where he's competing against Stingley as like he was the second corner drafted. He needs to be the best. And I like the pick. It was what they should have done. I'm just concerned about that pressure and also being on, for all intents and purposes, not a good team. <laughs> yeah, that that's the part that really concerns me. To be honest, I actually had Sauce Gardner as the top cornerback in, in this draft, but at the end of the day, if you get drafted by 
and either one of these teams, but especially the Jets, who have just such a losing culture and have had for such a long time, one cornerback is not going to change that, especially because even if he's going to be Darrell Revis, he's not currently Darrell Revis. And either way, Darrell Revis himself wasn't the only thing making Jets teams good. He was actually actually on a lot of bad Jets teams still. Um, so they, they, they have a lot of work to do. They had another top 10 pick, of course, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Um, I, again, I, I agree with you. I don't think it was a bad pick. I just, in the grand scheme of things, will it matter is the question that comes to my head because of who the pick was, you know, for, I just have such, such built up with certain teams, uh, you know, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Giants, that almost no matter what you do, <laughs> you're not going to find much success. Yeah, and it helps that Salas is a coach now and more defensive-minded, but that team's young, kind of like the – I think they're in the middle between where the Jaguars are rebuilding and then also, like, where the Lions are, kind of yeah. intermediary. The Jaguars could just be, like – could come out of the gate, like, super good next year with what the AFC South is looking like, but I think they need some time to actually be consistent. The – Lions could get good is if they're consistent. They have the pieces and some of the experience now, but Jets fall in that middle where who who actually knows? The Jets also have the toughest division of those three by far, too. Mm. Lot lot of things going against them there. But who knows? Maybe maybe this is a, a, a draft for them that was a, that is the help, you know, to help able excuse me, can't speak right now. That is able to help them turn things around and get, you know, get back on the track that they want to be on. Let's keep keep moving on here. We don't want to uh, you know take as long as the actual NFL draft because good god that got ridiculous in the first round. Pick number five, another New York squad, the Giants at the five slot. Pick defensive end from Oregon, Kayvon Thibodeau. If you actually saw the draft pick, uh, Make a Wish Kid came out. It was it was a very wholesome, heartwarming moment. He was just screaming. He was so excited. It was great. Thibodeau came out, had a moment. It was beautiful. I like this pick for the Giants. Again, it falls into the category, like, how much does it really matter? Not much right away. I do think he was very clearly the third best defensive end here in this draft. But this was, a, of all things, a defensive end heavy draft. So the fact that they were able to grab their hands on one of them, a, a position they haven't really had a star at in a while now, um, a nice young guy to hopefully build around on that defensive front, it's a good starting point for a team that just needed to pick up pick a position to go with and commit to it. Yeah, and they that defensive side has been pretty highly tied for years, like from what the Giants have been building. So hopefully this – well, not hopefully because it's obviously not room for the Giants, but I think it'll, it will help just give it a few years. And it, it was a good pick. It was something that – I want to say the Eagles were looking to trading up to get him. I'm sure the price was too high, but – he was being looked at by people higher up as like a pretty good pick to help bolster their team for what the asking price would have been. Yeah, hundred percent. Solid pick from the Giants there, despite both our discretion towards them. Moving down, number six, Carolina Panthers. Again, another team where you could have just spun the wheel and picked what they need to work on. They took the first offensive lineman of day one. Uh, I, I apologize if I mispronounced his name. Ekem. Aquanu, the offensive tackle from NC State, top guy on the board. They decided that they were going to be the ones to break the ice on the offensive lineman. I think it's a good call, given that no matter what, uh, they're going to be starting a young quarterback. I will mention they did draft Matt Carroll, um, maybe stowing some of the Baker Mayfield trade talks. 
who knows what that what's going to look like at that position, but it, it never hurts to commit to a young offensive lineman that you have faith in. Um, lot, it, lots of teams can be good just because of a solid offensive line, so you, you, you can't blame them for that pick. Plus, you got to protect McCaffrey. Hundred uh, percent, and I think a lot of the highly touted. You can't really go wrong with an offensive lineman, not to say they won't be busts, but usually they're pretty consistent, especially if they're in the top like round and top ten. So I like that. And then Evan Neal at Alabama goes seventh to the Giants, who got the pick from the Bears. Also, I think a good pick. It's you need like kind of the same way. You need to keep Daniel Jones safe, you need to keep Saquon Barkley healthy yep. as much as possible. I don't have a problem with it. I, I I like the pick for them. It helps bolster them, and it was something that needed to work on based off of what was happening last year. Yeah, no, when when you get to, to the quarterback that much, when he's under pressure that often, it's impossible to find success. Patty Mills saw that in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Joe Burrow saw it throughout this last playoff run. We know what that can be like, especially for a team that is not as, as talented as those two squads. Number eight, I have problems with and not because of the pick necessarily because of multiple conspiracies that will bring up the first wide receiver off the board was drake london wide receiver at a usc i would say i wouldn't have picked him there i think there's some other guys who i would have picked above him um who get drafted a little bit later within the first round um what i do have a problem with is robbie you're familiar with the rapper known as drake correct Unfortunately, I am, yes. <laughs> the artist known as Drake. No, so there was a big thing before the draft. He did a bet, and I won't tell you how much it was, but that Drake London would be the first wide receiver off the board. Okay. Mm-hmm. He put $100,000 on it to win $300,000 plus what he bets, and he correctly hit that. Put it this way. I'm sure it was nice that, like, Drake could bet on a guy who has the same name as him, or at least as his artist name, because his real name's Aubrey. But the, I like something is amiss here. Either that information got leaked from like the Falcons, or there was him like trying to get the Falcons to pick him, or something. There's something amiss here, and he just profited off it. That's what I'm cons- like. He's a good prospect. It's a good pick. But guys like Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams just didn't go before him. I am a little surprised about that. And, yeah, conspiracy. Finding out Drake's name is Aubrey is like when when you're reading Spider-Man comics, you find out the bully Flash Thompson's name is actually Eugene. It's like, oh, wow, you're you're not as, you're not as cool as you think you are, aren't right. you? <laughs> side, side conversation. Would you ever name Eugene or Aubrey? Probably Aubrey. You know, that's my thought, but then when you grow older and grouchier, like, you could go by Gene and just kind of, if you, like, bulk up, like, you could just be a mean guy, so. But I think also, like, kind of a strong brolic guy in Aubrey would be also kind of terrifying. Okay. All right, enough of our, our sidetracking here. No, I, I was, I have my concerns about this pick as well, especially because regardless of Calvin Ridley and whatever his future holds, Wide receiver isn't necessarily the the most important thing that Atlanta needed to do. To be honest, of other than Washington, they were the other team that I was scared was potentially going to take Kenny Pickett off the board too early. 
Uh, obviously, they didn't hear. They, they went with a receiver instead. Atlanta, to me, I predicted they were going to be the worst team in football last year. Obviously, I was wrong. This year might be cl- a, little, a little more correct to that. Um, and and I, I think this is kind of a pick that proves they don't necessarily know exactly what they're doing. Because, again, when you have all of these things, especially a defense that's been bad since they went to the Super Bowl, they're still not committing to, to improving on that end. You could have gone offensive line. There, there were so many other things you could have done here. I don't think Drake London was the call. Time will tell. Um, I'm sure there was some nice compensation in there for some parties, but not going to – I'm just going to put that out there, and I think something was leaked and the rich get richer. The, the Drake tampering episode. I think I, – I really think so. I love it. Moving on, number nine was the Seattle Seahawks. After a tough season, they need to obviously rebuild also with the trade of Russell Wilson, the release of Bobby Wagner. Lots to do here. They go offensive line, Charles Cross from Mississippi State. I'm going to be honest, I never know the most about offensive linemen, but if you're going offensive line in the first round, typically you know that these are going to be solid guys, and it's a good starting point for a team that, especially offensively, is in complete and utter rebuild mode, outside of the receiver position, of course. You just need someone for him to protect, and whether it's a running back or quarterback, like not to say they don't have running backs, but they've been kind of a revolving door, especially with injuries out there. So it's a good pick to help rebuild, um, but you got to get your star players eventually, but no problems with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, last pick of the top ten, second wide receiver, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, goes to the Jets. Good to add weapons. You have now have Garrett Wilson, Jameson Crowder still there? Yeah, uh, no, but Corey Davis is. Corey Davis, I know Corey Davis was an Elijah Moore. So adds to it. I like the pick. I mean, I've seen Garrett Wilson play. He's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, they were talking about it on draft night that, that the trio of Moore, Davis, and, uh, Wilson could be very deadly for years to come. This is a young offense. You also remember they got Michael Carter at running back, Zach Wilson at quarterback, yeah, Kenny Aboa at third string tight end. Very, very young offensive team. You need to give them time both to get to know each other and to get comfortable within the league, but, you know, give it a year or two and at least offensively speaking, we could be looking at the Jets in a, in a very different light. I, I like the two Jets picks. It's not going to make an immediate impact, especially, uh, you know, defensively. They need, it's a lot more team uh, building to do on the defensive side there. But the, the pick of Wilson, I think, is going to pay off pretty pretty quickly for them, to be completely honest. They've, they've had a pretty decent run of success with young receivers in the last couple of years. And that's the top ten. You know, barring injury, I think all these were – quite good picks. Could that be how lackluster the draft class seemed? Maybe, but I still think you're usually not going to miss if you're in the top 10 unless you're trying to really... I think QBs are the ones where you could have misses just because they, they're they so high profile and need to produce, but can't go wrong with tackles. You know, DNs can be hit or miss, but it's more like generational talent rather than what uh, than just a role player, so I like you're him. You're going to see tackles in the first round, in the first top ten. Absolutely. You need them. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to hit just a couple more highlight picks here in the first round and, and pass that just a bit in case uh, you did miss the draft and you want to get caught up. We talked about the Lions having a second pick. Going into the draft, it was the 30th pick. Like we said, the trades blew up. They moved up to 12, and 
Bit of a controversial pick here. They go with Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama, who tore his ACL in their postseason run. It's it's interesting, though, because the concept of him and Amon Ra next to each other is is great. But again, you kind of run into this issue that the Falcons were in, like, well, Jared Goff isn't that great of an option throwing to them. And maybe he's a decent placeholder for now. But then you have to worry about the fact that you just use a 12th round pick on a guy who's going to miss at least half the season. Maybe. I think there's a lot of upside with him, though. I really feel like even though he's coming off an ACL tear, if he can stay healthy, which is obviously the number one question, like he's going to be good and very special. You're not wrong about the whole thing with can can Goff be the one to lead that offense? And I would almost lean toward no in terms of just excellence, but he's a good placeholder. You know, next year, I think, is when you get into the idea of having a quarterback. So this year, Mm -hmm. There wasn't much and nothing real, I would say, nothing that was real clear cuts. Yeah, no, there, this was not a year to stretch on a court, or reach on a quarterback. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll get to it, but Pittsburgh was very aware of that. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, and I think Chris Olave being drafted before him, that was another good pick by the Saints. I'm sure that would have been a point of discussion if he was still on the board, but Right receivers were going fast and hard, and yep. they just needed to kind of get one of the last guys who, assuming is healthy, is, like, going to be a good product. 100% agree. Next pick down was the Eagles. At 13, they take the combine stud, Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Everybody loved this pick. Oh, my goodness. What, a, what an excellent pick, too. He's going to get some time to learn from Fletcher Cox, eventually be his replacement, and... What 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 more could you want? That's I mean you he he was the guy that everyone said if he falls to us a little further than top ten he's gone he's off the board he's ours. Eagles were the team that took claim to him. Um, we'll, we'll talk in a second about why the Eagles didn't need to jump in on the wide receiver party as they were all getting taken off the board um, in, in a moment. But in my opinion, I mean no you don't need him right right now because you still have Fletcher Cox before for the next couple years which is a focus of the Eagles team right now, home run of a pick. Yeah, gut reaction was a little bit like, well, I guess we have our tackles kind of solidified for now. But, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, we're drafting for the future. You have this guy who, like, from watching him, listening to what he's done, like, is a stud, will be a great pick and a great addition to that defense. And Cox is on a one-year deal. He'll probably – I'd imagine be gone afterwards, and you never know. He's susceptible to injury. You're going to have to shift tackles in and out. So to me, this is – I like this pick. Big fan. What's even funnier is there are a lot of Cowboys fans who are like, we should get him, we should move up for him. Even funnier they don't get him. Ah, I'm a fan. I liked it. I think it wasn't the most pressing need, but I think you got a really good player and are filling a position that will become very – importance and be kind of open in a few years. So like the pick. Yeah. 100% Eagles. We're not done there on draft day though. They probably made the most noise and had the biggest success of draft day as they and the Titans got down to business and the Eagles took claim to receiver AJ Brown in a massive, massive trade that sent the Eagles second um, first round pick 18th overall pick to Tennessee in return for the superstar receiver Obviously, the only issue with him is his potential health, but you put in, you put him next to Devontae Smith with a young Jalen Hurts and a, and a 
built a you know a young offensive line, well youngish, young and old, young and old. <laughs> that that's already a playoff team without him. Now you add in this great receiver, and now you don't have any more. Devontae Smith has no pressure to become a star too fast. He can progress at his own pace. Excellent move by Philly. Again, Browns just got to stay on the field, and this is this is a massive move that very likely jumped them to the best team in that division. Love love this trade, especially because we gave up our first-round pick for him and gave up a third. That was it. We gave him the contract that he was probably warranted somewhere else, four years, $100 million, which makes him, I think, the third or fourth highest-paid receiver just in terms of contract, not guaranteed money. It's a lot. He's young, though. He has had a few injuries in the past seasons, but him healthy, such a good addition to wide receiver one. I love it. I'm excited for it. Now, what's the fallout from it? Well, you now have an offensive arsenal. of You have A.J. Brown. You have Dante Smith. You have Dallas Goddard. You have Miles Sanders. You have Boston Scotts. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager is still <laughs> there. J.J. Ortega Whiteside exists. We're going to ignore him there for this case. You have a really good – you have a ton of weapons, assuming they all stay healthy. And Jalen Rager. And Jalen Rager. This now, though, this next year is – it's Jalen Hurts has to prove something. If he can't make it to the playoffs with this team in the NFC, he's as good as gone. They have given him everything, and that's assuming no one gets injured. But if – that team stays healthy. They need to make the playoffs or Jalen Hurts is just immediately gone by next year. Yeah. No, it stands or butts. But I'm, I love it. Excited. Yeah, no. Awesome move from Philly. Flip side of it, Tennessee wastes zero time, drafts Traylon Burks, the receiver from Arkansas, to be A.J. Brown's replacement. <sighs> you know, say what you want, that this was the plan all along, whatever. Who knows? Tennessee – Moving on from A.J. Brown, moving on from Julio Jones, they're, they're in a tough spot right now. Is This division is weak, but they've kind of hit like a half rebuild so far. I don't really know what direction they're going in right now. Burks, you know, it, clearly receiver was, was a hot commodity in the, in the teens, in the teen section of this draft. I don't know much about Burks, to be honest, but from what it sounds like, he's a decent replacement for A.J. Brown, at least in terms of his physical attributes. But uh, obviously, he'll have to see. They also were the team that ended up taking Malik Willis in the third round. So who knows if he'll challenge Ryan Tannehill for that starting job. We'll we'll see what happens with Tennessee. A lot of question marks on that squad right now. I think they're trying to kind of do this half-rooted rebuild where – you still have some cornerstones like Derek Henry, for example, but I think they know some of their other players are going to warrant top money. I'm assuming eventually Tannehill is going to be cut or they're going to get away from him to get cheaper. But just having Derek Henry being a cornerstone, like they're never going to be a bad team. But now they're in this position where they were the one seed last year. Like, will they make it to the playoffs rather than? Where will, like, will they win their division type questions? So interesting move, but I think this is part of a lot of different teams' philosophies of do we pay young receivers? And Tennessee's in this case is no. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't disagree from the injury perspective and maybe like the idea of like how good can you really be? 
But at the same time, like, A.J. Brown was such a good product, and, like, when he's healthy, he's freakishly good and did so much for, I'd say, a lackluster QB. Which is exactly where he's at now. But is he, is he worth $25 million? And I, I'm going to hope so as an Eagles fan, but I don't know. I truthfully don't know if these receivers who are getting $25, $30 million will be worth it. In just, It comes this idea of, like, maybe quarterback should be worth that, but should like are receivers expendable? And it's just this value aspect where I don't know if we've really touched on that yet, just around nuts the market's been with Diggs. Hill all getting new deals and everyone else wanting one and being traded. So exciting stuff though for an Eagles fan, but I wouldn't be worried as a Tennessee fan. They still have a good core. They just are going to be kind of mediocre now back to where the Titans used to be. Gut reaction though, right now, who's that division's winner? Colts. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now, but we'll see what happens and what transpires and how the draft ends for both. For, all, for all, you know, both these teams as well. But moving on, the early bird gets the worm does not apply to the quarterback, the team that took the first quarterback in uh, this draft. Nobody reached on a quarterback like we, we talked about. There was talk was, was Washington going to. They then traded down. They took a receiver at 16. Pittsburgh going in, everybody knew that if Kenny Pickett was left at 20, that's who their guy was going to be. Lo and behold, the Pittsburgh product is staying in Pittsburgh as the Steelers drafted their guy, Kenny Pickett, with the 20th overall pick. Question marks now become who's going to be the starting quarterback between Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. My gut is telling me Trubisky will start until given reason not to. Uh, but also it's very likely Kenny Pickett comes out uh, hot, wins the starting job, and I have no complaints with that either. Very low-key, the Steelers offense has rounded into shape a little bit. We talked about some of their, their offseason moves to bolster their offensive line. They, uh, in the second round, would draft George Pick- uh, Pickens from Georgia, a stud receiver that kind of started the, the second cascade of receivers being p- uh, picked. I love I love those two first, first two picks from Pittsburgh. Uh, I actually genuinely believe that the Eagles had the best draft day, and then the Steelers have, have had the second best draft so far, outside of maybe the Lions, to be honest. Um, but I'm very pleased with how, how the draft has gone so far for Pittsburgh have filled some important holes. Uh, defensively, we kind of use free agency to do that rather than, than the draft because we were prepared to use the draft for to bolster our offense. But a receiving core of John, hopefully a fully catch-capable Deontay Johnson, uh, a, a matured Chase Claypool, and a young George Pickens with Fryermuth and, of course, Najee Harris. That's a fun, fun, young team to start rooting for in Pittsburgh, which is young is not a word I have described Pittsburgh with uh, very much recently. We talked that into existence a few months ago. I like the idea of Kenny Pickett going to his, well, call it the hometown team of Pittsburgh. And, yeah, yeah this is going to get heavily criticized until we actually see what's going to happen. Malik Willis, Matt Corral, um, Desmond Ritter. Like, they were all quarterbacks apparently ahead of him. So it was surprising that, I guess, the QB went that early and, you know, it being Kenny Pickett. But I don't know. I I like his tangibles where he's a gunslinger, but he can run kind of like a Mahomes. It's going to be how good is his decision-making, and, you know, that will take time. But I like it. He's young. It is exciting and 
I'm a fan of it. And despite like everyone was getting on people's case about them not drafting like Malik Willis, for example. And I tend to believe that the Steelers front office does a good amount of due diligence and Mike Tomlin has a say in who gets picked. I will go with the benefit of the doubt. I trust them. And I think it's an exciting pick. Everyone's like, they now have the worst team in the AFC North. I don't know about that. I really don't. Like, it depends <laughs> what pick it's like at his, at the start or if he does play the first season, but that's still a good team and they're getting younger and I, I like it. I, maybe I'm just dead wrong, but I'm a fan of it. I always have been for the last few months. People love to forget about the fact that every single year they claim the Browns are going to be good and every single year they suck, except for like two years ago, but one exclusion, one exception. Um, you know. Pittsburgh's not the worst team. Maybe they have, maybe they have the worst offense in the AFC North, just because they maybe have probably have the youngest at this point. Defensively, I'm confident they're by far the best team in that division. So I'm not, I'm not concerned in, in any way for Pittsburgh. Will they make the playoffs this year? I want to wait and see until the roster's finalized to make my prediction, but I would assume if they do, it would be just around where they were last year, that, that seven seed may be pushed for six. Um, Cincinnati's probably going to have a chokehold on the division at this point for a couple years. So we'll kind of see how that progresses. But like I said, I absolutely zero complaints for, for the Steelers draft so far. I'm going to run through just a couple picks here to wrap up that, that kind of stood out to me in, in the rest of the first and just into the second round here. Those are the big names, obviously. And then we'll move on from the draft. The 23rd pick was originally... Baltimore's, they traded with Arizona in the trade that sent Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. Lamar Jackson upset about it, but we all knew this was coming. Hollywood did not like playing in Baltimore. Uh, the trade was then again, or excuse me, the pick was then again traded to Buffalo, who would select their Levi Wallace replacement, Kier Alam, out of Florida. Tra- uh, Tredavious White's going to miss some time at the beginning of the year as well because of his injury. So a guy who's probably going to get a lot of playing time this season. Uh, we both we talked about it a bit. Solid pickup for Buffalo. An important hole to fill, especially for a team that is in compete now mode. I like the pick. There was one other corner from Clemson, who I'm blanking on their name, who could have been, you know, maybe picked instead of Kyer. But I, I like the pick. You needed a corner. That team is very well rounded, but that was kind of the one position they were missing with the departure of this offseason and then Travis White missing some substantial time as ACL tear. I have no complaints with the pick. I like it. Yep. Good one there for Buffalo. couple picks later at 25, Baltimore took the Iowa center, Tyler Lindenbaum. Talk about Iowa's tight end U. They also produce a very hefty amount of offensive linemen. That stick around for a long time in the NFL. Baltimore obviously needs to protect Lamar Jackson. They saw what happens uh, when he misses time towards the end of the season's I hate that an Iowa guy is going to a team I hate so much, but it's a good pick from Baltimore. Again, when you go offensive line in the first round, it typically pays off. Uh, this is another, another example of, of going younger and, and a good, solid offensive lineman. And you saw all those injuries to running backs last year, too, that they had, especially at the beginning of the year. You want a healthy offensive line so that doesn't happen again. Right. And then the last pick I want to mention here, Philadelphia's second-round pick, Cam Jurgens. Philadelphia straight up this draft went with, the future. They said we're going to find Fletcher Cox's future replacement. We're going to find Jason, uh, Tr- uh, yeah, Jason Kelsey's future replacement, and we are just going to let them sit there and learn how to play football from these superstars for a couple years. 
Kelsey probably going to retire a little sooner than Fletcher Cox, um, but also Cox's contract could come up. He might not finish his career in Philly. Who knows? It, I, I think the Eagles handled themselves quite well here. There's not a whole lot more they need on offense. There's not and a ton of holes to fill on defense. So go with a players that you know are going to be good. It, it, it's the Sixers mindset, right? Best available, not necessarily what is the most in demand position for your team. Still though, like they're thinking ahead, which is always good. And even Jason Kelsey was on, like he was talking about it when the pick happened. He liked it. And I think that's the best endorsement possible. Will be, he be as good as Kelsey. I all signs would probably point toward no. I mean, Kelsey's had a storied career there. But, I mean, he was considering retirement after they won the Super Bowl. The fact he's still been here is almost shocking at this point. So, I like the pick, and the endorsement always helps. I just – I got to talk about our last pick because I think it's kind of funny. Um, the Kobe Dean linebacker at George got picked in the third round. He fell quite far, and the Eagles picked him up. There were talks that – um Nicobe Dean was only good at Georgia because he had um, a really good D-line, which included Jordan Davis. Well, we got Jordan Davis, so you can pound sand. So we have and replicated. And best lineman. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm a fan of the pick. He's explosive. I We needed linebacker depth. That was a big thing coming. We got Kaiser White over the offseason, but a big addition and looking forward to him starting day one, especially because we'll, we'll need him in there, or at least playing some good minutes. I, the last thing, anything else about the draft? There's one thing I want to just say very quickly about it. Uh, just no Debo Samuel trade that did not, did not occur. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the season, but there's a, there's a chance he starts the regular season as a 49er. Yeah. Two things. One, we need to put, implement this in the draft where, celebrity picks or people who are not part of the organization, they got to be timed or they got to be like audited. So not that there's not like we have bad ones every year, but this one was just, some of these were bad. They had a guy who I think was doing like a Vikings pick or like a Ravens pick and they had to come out and tell him to like speed it up. Oh, was it, wasn't it Marty Daniels came out and the Colts pick and they, they had some woman came out and he's like, she's telling me to read the card. Was, okay, it was the Colts pick then. But, yeah, just stuff like that. And it's just getting – I know it's – you want to make it exciting. It's the three-day thing, but it's getting a little, like – It was, it dragged. It took way, way too long to get from pick to pick. Uh, by the time the pick was in, it still felt like it took another ten minutes until it was actually announced. I mean, you have full commercial breaks in between when the pick is in until it's actually – that's, that's ridiculous. No one wants it's to a, watch that. I watched two picks at a time, and then I turned off for half an hour. It's a literal money printer. Yeah. But on your TV. The last thing I want to say is, and maybe this is just my scope looking at, like, Twitter, like, social media, bad, but apparently every team had just a perfect draft class and has gotten, like, a million times better, which I am, like, unbelievably suspicious of for obvious reasons. But it's, like, no one went wrong. No one picked bad. It's everyone's everyone's done right, everyone's improved their team, and just, I think it's stupid. So, <laughs> it's just me yelling at clouds. Like, there's no other reason. I just think it's stupid. Look, this is a safe space. This is a safe space. We all need to vent sometimes. But there you have it. If any fantastic news happens in the last few hours of the draft, we'll let you know, but it's very unlikely at this point. 
Tom, the next Tom Brady could be drafted, though. We all remember famously he's a seventh round draft pick. Um, sixth. sixth round draft pick. Sorry, Antonio Brown. Famously, was um, Antonio Brown was seventh. That's my bad. I always get them mixed up. But um, so so don't you can't sleep on all these players, even if you don't know their names. So always always exciting stuff in the NFL draft. Though even even if it snuck up on us like it did, we were very very unprepared when we were like, oh well, maybe we shouldn't record today considering it's the draft. So Wait, Antonio Brown is also a sixth round pick. Okay, so clearly I have something wrong in my head where numbers six and seven don't have a difference. Um, regardless, let's move on to a sport that I can handle a little bit more. Let's move in, into the NBA. As as we know, the playoffs are well underway. The first round has now concluded. Each series was was right around halfway done by by the uh, at the last point when we reported in. So let's wrap up all the series. In just a moment here, but first, two awards were given out since our last episode. The Most Improved Player and the Rookie of the Year. Let's start with the Rookie of the Year. Power forward for the Toronto Raptors, Scotty Barnes, takes home the award despite our uh, efforts last week to, to pull, pull Kate, or a few weeks ago to pull Cade for it. Um, he had a good year. He had maybe the most complete year in terms of games played and in team impact, but I mean, in terms of the most skilled rookie, I think he's third at best. I was pulling for Evan Mobley, and he got second, right? Cade got yeah. third? Yeah. Cade got third by a mile. Yeah. Um. I, whatever. Like, I, I'm sick. I'm sick of this. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sick of voting. But Evan Mobley should have won. Uh, he lost out by, like, I think 20 points, which is the equivalent of, like, four first place votes. No, he only uh, lost by, like, three points. I think it was a little bit more than that, but whatever. It was like a few first place votes didn't go his way. You know, it, it was close. It was, I know they were pretty close, and then Cade had like nine total points, which is like, but yeah, basically a first place vote gets you three points, a second place vote two points, a third place vote one point. Cade, Cade got what maybe three first place votes. I don't know what it was, but just not not enough to to really compete. The issue I really ended up having was Jalen Green finished fourth. Because he had two good weeks at the end of the season, Franz should have finished fourth. Maybe Giddy. They were playing great all year. Jalen Green is nothing special in my head. He at at best he's Bradley Beal on his like best day. The problem is though, when you vote for those, you do first, second, third. Like, do you think Franz Wagner or do you think Josh Giddy should have snuck in first, second, third? No, like I think some people could make an argument like maybe Jalen Green was third, and not that's a good not that's a good argument, but there's more likelihood that hey they'll get in versus Franz Wagner on the Magic. Yep, that is fair. I didn't see the vote breakdown for the other award, but most improved player, which Vegas had been predicting forever, John Morant, point guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the, the the people who had been supporting him claimed that they knew it all along, of course. I had Garland. I think you could have gone with any of these three candidates. I think this was a great season for the most improved player. I think there were even players that didn't finish in the top three voting that could have won this award on any given year. You bring up uh, Tyler Hero, Tyrese Maxey, just, just a couple named Miles Bridges could have done it. A whole hand, a slew of guys could have could have been up for this award. But John ja Morant surprised everybody by being an all-star game starter. Uh, the Grizzlies were the, the second best record team in the NBA. They've made, obviously won their first round playoff series now. 
and, and who doesn't want to see John Morant go from the rookie of the year to the most improved player to, I don't know, maybe two more years and he's the MVP? Yeah, I think people just had a problem with the fact that, like, even as a rookie, like, he was good. And not to say he isn't improved, he's done great, but that upping in improvement isn't as steep as a guy like a Jordan Poole, Darius Garland, Jonte Murray. And that, I mean, yeah, it's the tough part. I, I tend to agree that, like, Darius Garland should have won. I, you know, after seeing what Jordan Poole's done in the playoffs, that's another mm-hmm. guy, but, I mean, he was kind of, Unfortunately, in the regular season, took a set, a seat to Clay and Curry, but yeah, that one's I, I don't really not a fan of that one. But I mean, John Morant winning an award based on how good he is, you can't really argue with that. No, it, 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 exactly, and this it, it, it isn't any hate towards Ja, especially because it was such a wholesome moment when he delivered the award to Desmond Bain's house and said Desmond Bain was the most improved player. Um. But, yeah, no, there, there, there's a point where was he already too good to really need to qualify for this award comes up. Um, but, again, no, no discredit to what John Morant has done and how he's improved over his three-year career so far. Um, so hats off to him and Memphis so far, of course. So those are the awards that have been given out. We're still waiting on the coach of the year, the sixth man of the year, which we're not really waiting on. It's just the formality at this point. And then, of course, the coveted MVP that – Nobody really knows what's happening at this point with. For now, we are left to sit and watch these, these just, I don't know, some were brutal, some were quick and easy playoff series all over the place, NBA playoffs this season. Let's start in the Western Conference. We, we saw Devin Booker get hurt in that 1-8 matchup. Went back and forth for a little bit between the Suns and the Pelicans. Booker was able to come back in game six. Phoenix able to close out the series. But New Orleans playing some tough, tough basketball. And Zion obviously didn't play a second this season. They have to feel very, very good about where they're at. They're obviously about to sign Zion to a stupid Supermax contract. So this is your squad for a little while. Uh, you got to be feeling good about the acquisition of CJ McCollum. Other than that, what were what were some things that stood out to you uh, during that, I guess, play and run and then the playoff series that the Pelicans had? Brandon Ingram deciding to finally play like we thought Brandon Ingram could play. I drafted him in fantasy and he did nothing this entire season. And then postseason clicks and he decides to do something, which is good. That's when you should show up, but not for my fantasy team. But <laughs> I, I like that's good. That shows that. Not to say he's Kevin Durant, but he kind of that like that scorer, that slasher that we've all really thought he could be and done something with. So that's obviously a great thing. Uh, I think something that got blown away out of proportion was Jose Alvarado's impact. Yes, he is a nuisance. He plays like Pat Beverly. He's arguably better than Pat Beverly, but he had a great season. His importance like was. Great for the Pelicans, but I think in terms of what he actually did in the series was not much. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the the player whose defense shouldn't be overlooking that series was Herb Jones. He was tasked with guarding either Devin Booker or Chris Paul for most of the series. He's a power forward drafted as playing shooting guard in the NBA playoffs as a rookie, guarding Devin Booker and Chris Paul and doing a pretty good job of it outside of his sadly miserable attempts to guard Chris Paul in the last game of the series. Chris Paul 
breaking an NBA record, going 14 of 14 most consecutive shots made uh, in the NBA playoffs, just the point god doing his thing, leading his team to the second round. But, you know, a lot, I, I think a lot of positives came out for the Pelicans, a lot more than I expected for a team, especially for a team 10 games under 500. Tough way to go out, lost in six when, when you didn't even feel like you had a chance. So a lot, a lot to build on for them. But Phoenix, now you're getting a little more healthy. Hopefully Booker's more or less full strength by the next series because that series is going to be an all-out score fest. That is going to be all offense and no defense. Dallas and Utah. They got, obviously, the winner, which ended up being Dallas. Dallas won in six. The, the, the storylines at first were, were Jalen Brunson and, and Dinwiddie. Luka comes back, kind of helps the offense a little bit. But the the exhausted expression I just gave was about the Utah Jazz. Because they, they've tried this for a few years now. This Mitchell Gobert thing doesn't seem to be enough. I don't, I don't want to say it doesn't work. I'm just going to say it's not enough. Because Bogdanovich, where he's a, a fun player and a good player, he isn't really enough to be a third piece. Conley's not there anymore. Their their team just isn't as as strong and as talented as they want them to be. Where do they go from here? Do you trade Mitchell or Gobert? Do you try and bring in a third piece? Quinn Snyder might be gone. He might be the Lakers' new coach. He might go somewhere else. He might come back. Who knows? So many question marks around this team. How do you approach this offseason at this point? If Well, I, you have to keep Mitchell at all costs because – you went from having a guy like Gordon Hayward, who was, at the time, a very, very good player. He leaves to go to Boston. And then you get fortunate in the draft and get Mitchell. That's your franchise cornerstone. Um, we talked about this last week. I think you have to try and move on from Conley if you can. And I'd recommend trying to trade him for something. It can be role players in this case. It's not like you need a full point guard starter. <laughs> Gobert is the one where... He is, like, supposed to be your second star. I hope you can get something for him. The problem is I don't think you're going to get a whole lot. He has this whole contract. massive contract, right, and just warrants a lot of money for what he's going to do. I don't – not to say bigs are not important, but they're not as useful in this NBA, especially one who really can't shoot outside of 10 feet. It, that's a tough case. But I think if you can – Try and move on from Rudy Gobert. If you can get like a tier two or tier three player, you're doing pretty well, especially if you can alleviate cap. A guy like, and I don't think the Pacers would trade him, but like a Halliburton or something, maybe not even to that degree, but like something in that realm of players that will at least help your team maybe be younger and not cost you nearly as much. Yeah, again, the issue becomes, will somebody move a player like that for Rudy Gobert? Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I see a lot of frustration in the Jazz front office and maybe locker room over the next year or so. This, this could get pretty ugly, to be honest, um, especially if nothing happens for a little while, because that then then you're just sitting there as this good regular season team and mediocre basketball team that has no plans for the future. I think it's lingering just annoyance because last year they were the one seed, the best team in the league record-wise, and they lost to a shorthanded Clippers team. Yep. Not to say, like, you know, it was 3-2 and then they lost Kawhi and then lost. But 
it's just one of those things where you're a good team, you make it to the playoffs every year, and you lose first or second round. Like, that that wears on you, especially a guy like Mitchell, who I know really, really wants to win and bring a championship to Utah. Mm-hmm. So if you can get move on from Gobert and get some reasonable compensation, like, even a guy like Jared Allen, not to say that Cavs are going to trade Allen for Gobert, but something that does is younger, costs you less, and kind of does the same thing. That's sort of what you need to then try and get a second piece player. And I, the problem is the Jazz need to move on from Gobert, and I just don't think they can get rid of it. No, and then and then because of that, you're gonna hear all the and and you're gonna you're gonna cringe at this. I love this. All the fan theories that point to the idea of oh well, Dwayne Wade took this job in Utah to eventually pry Donovan Mitchell away to Miami. You literally can't afford him, though. No. It would – people don't understand. Not not only would that trade have to include Hero for, like, the, the skill compensation, it would have to include Lowry and basically anybody else on the roster not named Jimmy and Bam, and you're still millions of dollars over the cap limit. That's my problem with it. Like, not to say it couldn't be done – but you're really trying to – you're going to burn a lot of your team. And I, I will yet again say that that big three is not as good as the James Wade Bosch big three. Therefore, it is not worth doing because unless your big three is at least that good, a team that went 2-2 two and two in the, the finals during their span, knowing that the rest of that roster would have to suck, you can't do it if your big three is worth that. That is, in my opinion, probably one of – <laughs> this is something you will never hear me say again – one of – the worst big threes that had so much success because they just played so well together, you can't have a worse big three than that. You won't find as much success. And I say they were one of the worst because of how little time Dwayne Wade really ended up playing in that, tri- in that trio. Right. And, and the fact that they lost two of their four finals appearances, it, it was just disappointing. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to play some hypotheticals here. So next year, Donovan Mitchell is owed. We're in the 2020. Okay. Yeah, he's owed $30 million next year. The Heat, put it this way, are like basically, assuming they get picks, they're basically full in the salary cap. It's going to go up a few million, but they're effectively full, I'd say. So ways to clear $30 million. You get rid of Bam straight up for Mitchell. That gets you there. Uh, You get rid of Kyle Lowry. He's $28 million a year, which is egregious, but I digress. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> $28 million for Kyle Lowry I think is a lot. but $28 million, $28 million for an NBA championship in a few months sounds pretty good, though, doesn't it? You're really counting your chickens before they've hatched. Why else do you make that move, though? Why else do you pay Kyle Lowry $28 million unless you're confident it wins you a championship? Well, maybe you're ignorant. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sure, but... It, aren't, aren't all fans teams who lose ignorant? Sure, of course. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Put it this way. I think, look, Kyle Lowry, let's assume he wins a championship. He may just end up retiring. And I don't think the Jazz will trade their best player for Kyle Lowry. No, not So that effectively leaves you, bam, Duncan Robinson plus Tyler Hero plus P.J. Tucker is $28 million. <laughs> You're gonna have to. I don't think he comes there unless he like he's still got four years left in his contract. I understand all you're trying to do here is disprove this theory, but we're Heat fans. The theory's not going anywhere. <laughs> you need to trade Bam Adebayo to get him, and I don't think that happens. 
I won't say that Bam Adebayo is better than Donovan Mitchell, but I would way rather have Bam Adebayo than Donovan Mitchell. And you know what? I agree. However, you're going to have plenty of fans who are like, let's put Jimmy next to Donovan. We aren't losing. And we'll watch that occur. Yes, yes. So. With Omer Yurtsev in his center, sure. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 move on here. Phoenix-Dallas in the next round. Who you got? Phoenix. Phoenix, how many games? I'm going to say six, just because I feel like the Magic – or sorry, I'm sorry, the Mavericks will always push it to six, even though they're undermatched. Uh Miles Bridges should guard Luca, who like, or James Jameson or not Jameson Crowder, uh, Jay Crowder. So Luca is going to put up numbers in some games. I think they'll be they'll catch one or two. They're still a good team, but I think the Suns will still beat them. Yeah, Suns in six sounds pretty accurate, especially if you know Booker's not quite at a hundred percent by the start of the series. That that sounds reasonable. All right, bottom half of the West. Golden State handled business with Denver in five. I'm not going to spend too terribly much time on this series, uh, seeing that it was a quick-cut, easy series. Memphis versus Minnesota, though, that was a fun, entertaining series that obviously showed shades of what the future of the Western Conference could look like. Uh, Memphis, however, was successful and winning in six, closed it out in Minnesota. Disappointing series for Cat Towns. Excellent series for Anthony Edwards, though. Um, Minnesota, in my opinion, another, you know, team to lose in the first round, but that got a lot of great experience out of this first playoff run. Um, the big question is, do you keep D'Angelo Russell? My thought would be only, uh, like, only if you can't get anything better than him, but there's a lot better. Like, I, I would, I would even maybe argue Ricky Rubio could be better than him for that team. Like, yes, he provides the three-point shooting at times, but for, for how much money he is worth right now, there's a lot of better point guard value you could get. Right. But I don't know. There's like they had a successful season in the sense that they were the seventh seed. They made the playoffs and they had some very good games and went to six with the Grizzlies. What sucks is the fact they blew three, 10, 20 point leads. They blew one last night, like a 15, 16 point lead and lost. Like they should have went to a game seven. And, you know, the only way you can go is up, but, you know, Carly Downs is kind of the problem there, too. Anthony Edwards is the one shining spot where it's like, okay, this, they will be good because of him for years to come. But you're not wrong. D'Angelo Russell overpaid for what he's producing. So, but I don't know. It's kind of the same problem where I think there's more of a market for D'Angelo Russell and Gobert, but what are you really going to get from him? Like, are you going to get, like, a Colin Sexton, I think, is like a, maybe a decent idea, but that's, I don't know why the Cavs would do that unless they had like a three-way deal or something like that. They could also choose to not accept his his uh, option or whatever they have for his contract. Uh, the rights, they could they could, do, yeah, they could they could essentially choose to let him go if they wanted to. Who knows if they would. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that stood out in the series to me, I mean, there were a lot of standout moments, but uh, in, in Game 5, Pat Bev took a shot, made it over Jaw, hit him with the two short. Jaw goes down, hits basically the same shot, hits him with the two short. From that moment on, from from when Pat Bev hit him with the two short, Jaw Morant scored the next 13 points for the Grizzlies en route to a buzzer-beating game-winning layup. Not buzzer-beating, excuse me, a game-winning layup um, to take game five, and which essentially clinched the series because you, you knew 
that the momentum was just completely to Memphis' side at this point. Um, I have very few basketball fans like Patrick Beverly. I've never liked Patrick Beverly, and this was a, a the, the great double middle finger to him. Um, you don't do that to superstars. Not in the playoffs. Not when you're a seven seed. Not when you celebrated a playoff, a play in win. Like that, I have absolutely only disrespect for this team, except if your name is Anthony Edwards. Um, quite glad they're gone. Not as glad as I am Denver's gone, but maybe they deserve to be here. But they they did not handle themselves well when they were here. The other problem too, though, is just the facts. Like why a guy like Pat Bev should do that to Ja? Like you're just giving him fuel to. Destroy after the fact. Like you don't do that to a guy like Dame, do you? Oh God, no. Exactly. No. Maybe this. Maybe this year. Maybe this year. Mentality. Don't you don't you don't do that to to guys better than you. That that's usually a pretty standard standard way of looking at things. Not when you can't back it up. Like if Pat Bev was like if Anthony Edwards did that, I'd say Jaws better than him. But at least Anthony could back it up. If Pat Bev stopped him once on that stretch, it might have, it might have backed it up. But no, none of that. So Memphis wins in six. We now have two versus three. Golden State and Memphis. What do you got? Golden State. In? Seven. I got them in six. I, I have I have a feeling that that series goes kind of similarly, similarly to Memphis, Minnesota, but reversed for who wins because Golden State, I, I just feel like it's back and forth a bit. But then game five, Golden State really hunkers down. They make it tough. They show that they're the better team. And that Memphis in Game Six just has no no response to that next level that Golden State can get to. Um, Golden State in six here. That's what I'm thinking. I just think there'll be one blowout in Memphis's favor. I think there'll be one where they win kind of handily, and the one they just sneak out a win, like a winning layup or something like that. Will Steph Curry continue to come off the bench? I hope so. It works. <laughs> it does work. It's kind of amazing. So that's the West as of now. Uh, playoff, excuse me, second round playoff action will start tomorrow. Swing over to the Eastern Conference. Miami did lose one game to Atlanta as as we predicted here, but closed out the series four games to one. The big storyline was in Game Five: no Kyle Lowry and no Jimmy Butler. I will say all Heat players practice in some capacity today, which is a very good sign. Um, but Victor Oladipo stepped into the starting lineup as fans. Prayed he would. Nothing insane, but a very solid game for Victor Oladipo. Very good all-around performance. For me, the standout guy, though, was Bam, because Bam proved that he can now lead it. Even if it's not against everybody, he can lead a team to a playoff win without his other superstars around. Made me feel very, very confident in our team's ability. Um, A lot of things are actually going the Heat's way right now for this second round. Unfortunately, for what we will get to right now, your squad as... Philly and Toronto, that series was an absolute bloodbath. That was whose team is physically more capable of handling this nonsense. The refs, miserable. The players attacking each other. The coaches throwing petty comments out at every possible moment. I have lost all respect for Doc Rivers and Nick Nurse after that series. All respect. Um, But the worst part about so Philly went up 3-0. No team has ever blown a 3-0 lead in the NBA playoffs. But people are saying it's Doc Rivers. If anyone could, it's him. That, that pissed them off a little bit, but they, they lost game four, lost game five, goes back to Toronto. Everyone thinks, oh, my God, it's going to seven. 
Philly then handles business. We finally see the playoff James Harden that Sixers fans had hoped for during the Ben Simmons trade. He played excellently in the closeout game in game six. Um, but the big, the big issue here, the, the big thing that went in Miami's favor is that Joel Embiid has no timetable for return. He is out with, uh, what was this? Some, some, another fracture in his, well, he got a concussion and some kind of, of fracture after the hit from Pascal Siakam late in that game. He Orbital fracture, yeah. Everybody's not very happy about how that went down. Um, and, and now Embiid, who was already battling through a fractured hand, probably done for the playoffs, even if Philly were to find a way to win this series. And now Miami, Miami's sh- uh, defensive focus completely shifts because you go from having to guard an entire team to now doing exactly what you did last series, Trey Young, uh, ISO guarding on James Harden. You do that, the series is over in four games, five games, whatever it is. Um, it's very unfortunate for Philly, though, because th- there were such high hopes, especially when the Harden trade was made. But as I said at the beginning of the year, and I will continue to say for his entire career, you have to bank on Joel Embiid getting hurt in the playoffs. You, you have to be prepared for it. It happens every single season. But you can't predict. Like, this is what pisses yes, me off. About. It is a 100% certainty. Not, he got elbowed in the face. You cannot, like, assume okay. something's Joel Embiid doesn't get hit in the face. Let's, let's, let's look at the world where he doesn't get hit in the head. You still lose in five games to Miami because of his hand fracture. Yeah, but that's that just happens. Like you're okay. You can't you, you, you can't prepare for it, but you can be ready for it. And they were ready for it at the beginning of the season when they had Andre, had Andre Drummond. I'm not saying the Harden trade was a mistake. That's not what I'm trying to say. But when you got rid of Drummond, you got rid of your capable backup that can ease some minutes for him in the playoffs, that can hopefully take him out of snare. Joel Embiid shouldn't have been playing when he got hit in the head with Pascal Siakam. Doc Rivers, he's mostly to blame for that, sure. You can't blame Embiid for that. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. You have to be so careful, like you're stepping on glass when you're pl- talking about Joel Embiid in the playoffs. He can't do it by himself. That's always what he's been asked to do his entire career. And every single year, except for the year where they got swept by Boston and it didn't matter, he's gotten hurt, and he has not had the chance to show the world how good this Sixers team can be. Now, yet again, we're talking about a disappointing Sixers team, a mini rebuild, and lots of question marks in the future because James Harden is about to get paid a lot of money to be not a superstar. But like, here's the thing. You have your or- – this Pascal Siakam, the injury, like – just dirty play based on frustration, hundred percent. Yes. Oh God. Oh, uh, I I hate all players that do stupid things like that. The Falco push. Pascal Siakam's on the list now too. That's unacceptable. Also, like I hate Toronto fans for like chanting what they're chanting when they got blown up by thirty. Like scumbags. That Embiid. Um. That like, but this is what I mean. Where yeah, you have a guy who is seven feet tall, very physical, plays a ton of minutes. These, this injury, what has happened has transpired these playoffs, have not been based off of his overall size. They have not been leg injuries. They have not been things that are because of his build. The other ones that happened in the game's career were 100% part of his build. The way he was, you know, his endurance, et cetera, et cetera. A hand injury, you're going to potentially get that. That's just bad luck. 
So Seriously. how does it not scare you then? The one, the first year where it isn't a leg injury, and he still finds a way to get hurt. Because how it's not, that it's, not terrify you. Because it's not going to happen next year. He's not going to get. Know. He's not going to. Just as I don't know that he is going to get injured, you don't know that he won't get injured because he's not going to all the time. It, but if they're different injuries, like okay, he hurt tore his right thumb for I, the yeah. five years of his career it was all leg injuries. Okay, like that's because he's seven feet tall and weighs two hundred seventy pounds. I get that. There is when you have a big man, they're inclined to get hurt because of their size, especially a guy like Embiid, and that was concerning at the beginning of his career. He has not had those lingering injuries since. What this year it was a hand injury, which he's played through, and might I say played through very well, considering you cannot grip a ball without using your thumb, and he can't use his right thumb. The other thing, yeah, the orbital bone injury, like it's kind of just a nail in the coffin in terms of him being out. And that's what bothers me, where it's just like, put it this way, even if Doc Rivers, I don't think, like, sure you should have taken him out, but also there's still, I think, four and a half minutes left, and not to say... Three and a half, and it was almost a 20-point game. I don't disagree, like, it should have been out, but, you know, I think within the next 30 seconds, it would have been a pull. It was just... Bad timing, sure. Yeah, it's and, you know, you'd never know. But yeah. like what I'm getting at is, yeah, they're not going to beat the Heat, especially with that Embiid. And this is, I think, kind of just a way to have him recover in the off season. Because could he have played through the hand injury? Yeah. Would he have won a game or two? Yeah. But throw in an orbital fracture as well, which he had back in 2018. And a concussion. Ah, yeah. so an injury he did have previously. Because he got elbowed no, in the face. I know, I know. I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get upset. Two, I have two things to say here about this Sixers next season. Number number one, you have I don't I don't care what 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 you can predict and not predict about Joel Embiid's health. If you don't have a top quality backup center next year, you might as well write yourself out as a first or second round exit. Have to have to have to have a guy who can take some minutes away from Embiid, and it cannot be named Paul Reed. I'm sorry, I love him, but he can't. Sure. Number two, and this, get as mad at me as you want for because I'm ready for it. If the Philadelphia 76ers don't at least make it to the conference finals next year, I am hitting the abort button on the process. It is over. It is a failure. You don't trade Embiid, but everything else is clean house, clear house. Maybe not Max, but you fire everybody. Everything's rebuilt because it is done. You now have a peak Embiid who has had zero help. Obviously, you had the one year where, yeah, you were a crazy Kawhi Leonard shot away from going, but now you still, you know, you're a few years removed. He's a few years better, and you still have gone no further. As good as Joel Embiid is, as, as transcendent of a talent as he can be, clearly he and the system working around him isn't good enough to get out of the second round at that point. Everything has to be brought up. It's not a one-player fix-and-swap type, type of fix. Yeah, but at the same time, like, you were never going to get past, like, the fact you kept Maxi, the fact you kept Thibault, who has not played well in the playoffs, to facilitate James Harden, Ben, ben Simmons, I might add you, has not played at all, which we will talk about very shortly. Yeah. It was, you needed to get rid of Simmons. You gave up Seth Curry, okay, you know, shooter, but didn't play much defense. Great shooter. Loved having him there. The fact they were able to give up Andre Drummond, backup center, plus Seth Curry, to and 
Ben Simmons to get Harden, I think, speaks volumes in terms of that's a really good trade for the Sixers because at least Harden's playing, mm-hmm. and the rest of the guys are putting up combined 15 points. But it, I think you could see a world where they try and look for like a Dwight Howard. They're going to look for a backup center. DeAndre Jordan is not going to cut it, obviously. But even if they had Andre Drummond still, that's not going to get them past the heat. And I No, but I'm talking about more like, first first of all, up 19 points with three and a half minutes left, hopefully Andre Drummond's in the game. I'm talking about these injuries that you can avoid that aren't because of his physical size that he doesn't doesn't need to be on the core for, because I will say you are likely to blow a lead if it's 19 points in three and a half minutes and Paul Reed is your center. You're not if Andre Drummond's your center. Let's wave the white flag on the orbital fracture. Yes, Doc Rivers is to blame here. I don't disagree with that. Also a dirty play. The hand thing, though, like, that can happen at any time. You're catching a ball with one hand. And who's to say, like, yeah, if Embiid didn't play these three minutes here, if Andre Drummond was in, yeah, it may not have happened to him, but it could have happened after the fact on a different pass. Or That's one of those things, a hand injury like that, I don't think you can really prepare for. And that has nothing to do with Embiid's body. It's just, like... It just happens. Like, it's not a freak thing. It happens to other people, but you you can't account for that. It has, it's nothing to do with him particularly. It's just the way he is. He puts himself in the position to get hurt more than the common player. It sucks because of how good he is. But I don't I don't care if you can't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. You can be ready for it. You, you, can, you can know it's coming and still be successful. Not this far into the playoffs, of course. And be getting hurt with Drummond doesn't, you know, versus... Paul Reed doesn't make a difference in the Miami Heat series, but it does in terms of how many games you win. This this went from a six to seven game series to a four to five game series very quickly. Let me ask you this. When you go to work or when you do leave for the day, do you take stairs at any point? No. No, you don't use the stairs. Use the sidewalk. Yeah. Just walk on the sidewalk. Imagine you ever heard of the expression like don't step on the crack or break your mother's back. You know that one? Mm-hmm. Imagine you're doing that where you're just like trying, you're just walking, and you try and avoid a crack, so you step a little bit farther, and you just have like a freak, like you sprain your MCL doing that. Is like it's a freak accident, right? You, you mean like if you're going bowling? <laughs> right. I get I'm it. Not, I'm not I, I understand what items. you're saying. I just i I can't get over the history at this point. I don't care that it's a different one every year. The fact that it is every year is what I keep can, can keep focusing on. I'm not saying it's impossible for the Sixers to win a championship with Joel Embiid. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen at this point. I think in terms of w- routine things that occur, you can't – like catching a basketball is a routine thing that he's done thousands of times, and one of them – an injury happening from that versus like him running into the lane as hard as he can and like landing awkwardly and like ripping his MCL. Like – there's no avoiding catching a basketball. There's avoiding maybe doing stuff like that, which is something at the beginning of his career was a problem. So that's all I'll say about that. I, You're right. It's going to be some question marks going forward for Philly. Um, but as long as Embiid's there, the process is not dead. That, 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 that's fair. I, w- I, w- I want everyone to also know that I am on the side of the process. I, I know. Just, because I'm not a true Sixers fan, I feel I have liberty to be a little more skeptical than – than others because I I just you're hundred percent right. Biasly, maybe I'm 
maybe I'm seeing it more biasly in the sense that because I'm not a fan of them, I don't see all of the pieces that you do. Who knows? But I'm just sick of the Joel Embiid injury prone narrative because it gets it's it's not like Carson Wentz where Embiid always comes back in full force and is still contributing. The leg injuries were one thing. The hand one was un, like I'd call it unavoidable in the sense like you're always gonna have to catch a basketball. Yeah. Oh. All right, we've talked enough about the Sixers and their health. Let's let's finish up this playoff talk here. We 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 already know the Heat unless something injury happens to one of their star players are going to win that series. Bottom half, you had three seeded Milwaukee finish business with the Bulls. Bulls won one pity game. Bucks handled their series despite no Chris Middleton after game two. Chris Middleton more than likely out for probably the rest of the season, definitely out for this next series, um, probably out for the series beyond that too. Finals could potentially still be in play if the Bucks go back, but as of right now, they're operating without their second-best player. But it did not matter in the first round. We knew the Bulls weren't going to be able to compete with the top dogs in the East, as they, they couldn't even in the regular season. Um, and the injuries, of course. Who, who would have been able to guess that a team needed Lonzo Ball as badly as the Bulls did? But a uh, tough end to their season. I actually don't think there's many positives to take out, and Zach Levine could very likely leave this offseason, which would put the Bulls very very much right back into a, a sense of chaos. So other than DeMar DeRozan, very little uh, went well for the Bulls it, at the end of the day. Yeah, did you see his post about, like, the Bulls offseason stuff? No, I didn't. I'm going to read I'm gonna read it for you. This, this, actually, this, is, this is DeRozan? No, Zach Levine. Levine, okay. It, like, it's... Okay, not just, like the Bulls, you know, they were derailed by injuries this year. They still had a good season. There's something to build off of, but does it like put them in contention with a title? Probably not. Um, oh, where is this tweet? It's got to be here somewhere. It it was the most cryptic thing where just like you really think he's just gone. I am leaning towards that thought at this point anyway. Um, let it be known this is the first time J- Jimmy Butler, much like LeBron, typically leaves his team in shambles. Um, the, the Bulls hadn't made the playoffs since that odd Jimmy Wade Rondo team that was an eight seed and, and made the playoffs over the Heat by like a half game. But I forget what it was, but basically, Dejounte Murray was trying to recruit and put him in a Spurs jersey, and there was some like kind of hype about it and. The comments he said were like, I'm just, you know, I'm proud of my team this year. I'll have a lot to think about for the offseason. He said the following, and this, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, this is the tweet directly from the Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine. I need to go into the offseason to figure out how to get back to 100%. I wasn't playing at 100. I need to find a strategy to get my knee back to normal, get back to L.A. and see my doctor and figure out what's the best plan of action. A little cryptic where it's like we had a good season and I need to just figure out everything, kind of. Yeah, he, I mean, he's on an important crossroads here, too. Like, he knows that this Bulls team at full health could be pretty solid, but maybe knows that they can't fully compete. He's going to do what's best for him. Could be money, could be winning situation. Who knows what he values the most here. But big, big decision there that could very much impact the future of Chicago. Um, but we'll, like, on the flip side, Milwaukee now has to, com- you know, compete to defend their NBA title without their second all-star, without Chris Middleton. Obviously, it didn't matter in the first round, but against a hotter, 
better opponent, which we'll get to in a second here, the Boston Celtics, that's that's a little taller of an order. We're really going to see what Giannis is made of. We're really going to see what some of these role players have to offer. Grayson Allen so far has been the guy to step up. We'll see if anyone else, um, you know, rises to the challenge. But like I said, they have to go up against the Boston Celtics. The world predicted that that first-round matchup of Boston versus Brooklyn was going to be the best series in the first round, and it was, in fact, the only sweep of the first round. The Brooklyn Nets, the only team of the 2022 NBA playoffs not to win at least one game, and they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Lots you could talk about here. Um, I'll just have one point for each each superstar, superstar in Ben Simmons' case. Uh, of these of these three players. Number one, Kevin Durant never has been, never should be, and never again will be mentioned in the same breath as Michael Jordan or LeBron James. He is not nor will ever be at that level. He has won zero championships in the general public's eye. Remember that, Kevin. I know you don't listen, but remember that. Number two, Kyrie Irving. Stephen A. Smith said it best. Nobody will ever give this man a long-term contract ever again. He comes out after their game four loss, kicked out of the playoffs, says, bl- blames... Uh, team chemistry, saying that they didn't have time to gel during the regular season like all the other squads did because there were injuries and players were missing time and, and all the other teams were in a great spot by the playoffs and they weren't there. It's his fault that they weren't there. He's He made a decision that he's allowed to make, but that caused him to miss time throughout the course of the year. He very easily could have made another decision to get on the court and start playing. He put himself ahead of the team. That is what happened. Everybody else in the Brooklyn Nets is vaccinated. Every single player. I don't really know what a team would even value in Kyrie Irving. Stephen A., again, I don't like agreeing with him, but he said Kyrie Irving last year missed time, or what was it, two years ago, missed time because of the riots, because he was distraught. He's the only player to miss time because of these things. Kyrie Irving is not focused on basketball. Kyrie Irving is focused on himself and himself alone. I think everybody has now realized that. Um, I would not be surprised if contenders are very hesitant to to add Kyrie Irving to their roster for the rest of his career. Again, 11 seasons in the NBA, only four he has played more than 50 games. You know my thoughts about it. I also don't like it because there's no accountability. He always is just stirring something up and, you know, take nothing away. I mean, he's fasting for Ramadan, playing through dehydration, cramps, all that, but he is a constant distraction. And it's a shame because he could be so good if he does play and contribute to the team. I think also, too, we just saw this Nets team, like even having great games from Bruce Brown, Gordon Dragic, Seth Curry chipping in some points, we, you need a well-rounded starting core, and you need some reserve players. You cannot just do it with two players. And you know, maybe against another team, they would have had a better shot. Like maybe, maybe against the Bucks. To be, to be honest, if Middleton got hurt, but this Celtics team is very well-rounded. They have a lot of depth, and that's what made them impossible for the Nets to just deal with them and in. And, and Tatum has ascended to maybe not quite the top tier level of superstar, um, but he's very much in the conversation of of that upper echelon of players at this point. 
If he gets to the, if they get to the, if they win the East, I think he'll be put in top ten. I think that's a very, very fair thing to say. Um, <laughs> a very, very kind thing to say as a Sixers fan. Um, I, yeah, he's he. When Jason Tatum is off, you can just expect the next game him to drop forty. Pop, pop off exactly. I mentioned something about Durant. I mentioned something about Kyrie. I said nothing about Ben Simmons because that's what he is as an NBA player. He's nothing. He was reportedly going to play in game four before they went down 3-0. Then they go down 3-0, and it's being reported that he has not had a good morning. His back has some more soreness. He's not going to play. He is abandoning his his second team of the season, essentially. I I want all my younger viewers to mute, mute this for this next question here. Who's the biggest bitch in basketball? Ben Simmons. This dude refused to play for a team that gave him everything he could have asked for in terms of the start of a career, gets his wish, gets traded to a super team, and isn't playing because he's sad. Because he people don't like him. This is worse than Kyrie Irving. At least Kyrie Irving, like, I, if Kyrie Irving was genuinely too distraught about the riot to play basketball, I could, I could get on board with that. But if Ben Simmons just doesn't want to play basketball because fans are tweeting mean things about him, the dude has no place in the NBA in the first place. I'm glad he didn't play. I don't... And again, he wasn't going to change the series. He wasn't going to make a difference. They were still going to lose game four. I get that and not wanting to maybe hurt yourself in the process. But at this point, when you have missed every single game this season and and there's so much controversy around you as a person, not just a player, you have to give people some kind of form of faith. And he has not done that for neither Philly nor Brooklyn. And that's huge. That's an issue. I think that was part of it, though, where with with or without him, they were going to probably get swept. And I'm sure, based off of what he told management, I'm sure it was like, all right, let's just not rush you back. Let's just wait. Like, we'll have you for next season. That's well, not – If they had won game four, would he have played game five? No, God, no. I think he was done for the I, – I, I mean, nothing short of making it to the second round. I don't think he was playing. And even then, who knows. But – that doesn't that doesn't justify the fact he hasn't played the entire season and because of that, like he should be fine. Like mentally is one thing, and I get the idea of seeing a sports psychologist, you know, making sure you are in a good mental state to play, because, you know, we forget professional athletes deal with a lot of criticism and scrutiny. But you haven't played the entire season. You should not be hurt. And if you are hurt, like see some professionals. And clearly he hasn't done that. He's been focused on himself, which is even more annoying. And, I mean, I have no qualms because we got rid of him at this point, but it's just it's sad to see almost. Mm-hmm. No, especially with a player with, with his talent. I, oh, I always bring it back to this point that I thought he was going to be a top three player in basketball at a point. Now I'm convinced that he's never going to be a, a top 20 player again. Right. You know, that, that, that's a huge drop-off, and it has come from zero play on, your, on the court on his part. None of it has been based off of his actual ability to play basketball. It's been on his ability to get on the court. That's that. Brooklyn, miserable team, miserable season. Their big threes have failed yet again. Um, We'll see what they they do if they bring back Kyrie, whatever happens there. If Ben Simmons ever plays again, who knows. Milwaukee, Boston, second round. No Chris Middleton. Who you got? I think Celtics and six, unfortunately. I just... It's really going to come down to who can guard Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and I 
don't really – well, more so Jason Tatum, and that's my problem. I don't really see a world where he's held in check. Like, I, don't, I think Robert Williams or Al Horford is going to guard Giannis, and I'm sure Giannis will have great games, but it's just they're so limited. Like, Grayson Allen stepped up in the last series, and I don't think he's going to be able to put up 20-plus a game. My, my fear for them is not guarding Tatum because you have the option to put Giannis on him. They sure. won't because of foul trouble, but they could – Slow him down. Not shut him down, but slow him down. But then you don't have anyone to put on Jalen Brown. Grayson Allen's a decent defender. Drew Holiday's a decent defender. But Brown's just bigger and stronger. He's still going to get a certain amount of points from just do, being that. Giannis gets all his points because he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. Jalen Brown will get his points from being bigger and stronger against the guys who can't cover him. Middleton was a perfect guy to put on him. And unfortunately, isn't going to be there. I have, I have Boston in seven. I think they'll need that home court advantage to actually win it in the end because, again, the East goes through Giannis. They won the East last year. They won the NBA title last year. But like like I've been saying all season, I've never really considered them the biggest threat in the NBA. I think Boston's going to shut them down. We won't predict the conference finals right now. We'll we'll let it play out a little bit further. Um, But that that's a wrap here on, on the NBA playoffs so far. Like I said, games will begin again Sunday. Uh, one East, one West, I'm sure. <laughs> I know the Heat don't play till Monday, but either way, we will, um, you know, let you know next week how things have transpired so far. Probably have a few, few more second round games under our belt. And we're about an hour 40 in here. Do we want to do our final segment or do we want to save that for next week? Let's. I think we should do another episode. Might as well. We want to just maybe do the playoff run in the off season. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, do it quick. Yeah, yeah. Wrap it up with a bow. So we left off last year. Uh, excuse me, last year, last week with our franchise. Three years in, we have finally won a playoff series. We're in round two. We've traded our dynamic duo. Our our, our boy R uh, R Martin's still there though. The Denver High. You can never forget. So take it away. All right, let's get into it. So, we bested the San Francisco Unicorns in six games. We are now in the second round. We are playing the one seed, if I'm not mistaken. So, let's take a look at the playoffs. So, yeah, we will sim through the rest of the round, and then we'll update you what's up. So, we got the Portland Roses, um, one versus four, and then the other side, Phoenix versus Los Angeles, two versus three. Very reminiscent of last year for... They're minor league affiliates, the Lakers and Suns, of course. <laughs> and then we have on the east, Toronto versus New York, and then Boston versus Detroit. So let's look at our roster. Let's refresh. We traded away our longstanding Rudy Gobert to make our team a little bit better. And we have a solid squad. Gary Martin. Utah. No, he's on Baltimore. So no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying we, we traded our Rudy Gobert equivalent. Shouldn't Utah take some notes? Yeah, if they can find a Baltimore team to trade their Gobert equivalent to, they should be all good. Get get your Yemi Achuia, get your Precious Achuia. I don't know. I don't know how clear we could be making. <laughs> so yeah, Gary I will, Martin. I will say Pre- Precious did, did have a pretty good series against the the Sixers. I, I like what he gave. He stepped up definitely. We got Gary R. Martin, Yemi Achua. Not related to Precious. Nakem Katuka, who's playing real well and has stepped up as late. Uh, Chris Frazier and Joe Estes, part of our trade. So, and then we have a pretty solid, um, 
squad off the bench with Christopher McElroy leading the way. So not bad. Um, most of our salary is tied to Gary Martin, which is good. You know, he's starting to age. So maybe something to look at if he falters this postseason. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> let's see who we're going up against. Let's, let's take a look at their roster quick. Sure. If there's any surprises we should be aware of. So they also have a star. The Portland Roses. Zachary Hall, star. He's 66 overall. So, so, so our best player is better than their best player. That's good to know. But they got, you know, they have pretty solid depth where we got another 60s in Victor Lindstrom, Cameron Crawford, the guy we were trying to trade for, and uh, Quinton Pope, you know, solid forward depth. And they have Ernesto Alzamoro off the bench, who is a 57-rated guard. He's 21. Yeah, that's not bad. Matt Lewin, another guy. I don't know. I'm feeling relatively confident. Like they they have a star. They have maybe a little more depth than us, but but we have the the, the overall star power. I don't know. I, I think we got a shot here. They I had, agree. Looks like six more wins than us in the regular season, so not terribly far off. Might as well get into it. Let's see if we can steal the first game in Portland. More wins. Seven more wins. All right. They get it from us. They won 94-91, so real close game, but they take the first. We take game two, though, 129-113. Big win. Let's see. Nixing, nixing home court advantage, so we, we took one on the road. That's huge. How's our boy doing? The uh, Oh, my goodness. This is egregious. But look at our starting lineup is, like, plus – 25 plus 15, our bench is where it's problematic. All negative on the bench. But our starting lineup is where it's at. Joe Estes is playing some big minutes for us this postseason. What a what a low-key part of that trade. That was, that was huge. So Gary Martin last game dropped 39. He's a stud. He's a stud. He's, I don't, I don't, I don't obviously know what his NBA player comparison would be, seeing I can not physically see him play basketball, but... I love him. I, I'd want him on my team. I'd give him $28 million for sure. Definitely. All right. Day or game three. Here we go. In Denver. Ah. Lost by eight. 99-91. We got to win this. Avoid going down 3-1. Yeah, we don't need that 3-1 hole. Even even though Denver is pretty good at coming out of the 3-1 hole, you never want to be in that spot. Let's do – let's see what this live. We're gonna watch. Should we watch? It. Let's see it. See what happens. This is gonna start filling up stats. Yeah, that's kind of okay. That's interesting. It's just like a like a sim cast sim. So we Gary Martin's got ten within the first quarter. Um, the roses are spanking us currently. So what we're doing right now is we're simming it, and we're up by three in the first quarter, not doing too bad. We're holding them pretty well. Gary Martin has 13. Yemi Chu's got 12, or sorry, he's got 15. So we're we're going hard, and we're going to probably put up 130 points at this rate. This has been a high-scoring one. It's been neck and neck, though, back and forth a little bit here in the second. 
Oh, they're pulling away. I know we're, we're... They pulled away for a second, but then we brought it back here. We're up two, up three. Now we're... Oh, close game. Game of runs, game of runs. We're in the fourth quarter. It's 101, 103, Roses. Now they're going on a run, and... It's, I'm getting nervous, but I'm getting a little nervous. Down, down one here with seven and a half to go. Gary Martin's got 24. Yemi Chu's got 26. McKenna's having a bad game. Five point lead for us. About three to go. Three and a half to go. Looks like we are going to take game four. Not too shabby. 125-119. Gary Barnett, 26. Yemi and Chu has stepped up at 32, though, which is insane. Yeah, look at these guys we traded for. They're balling out. Yemi at 32 and 7. Joe Estes, has, is that 10 or is that 16? Joe Estes at 16. 16, five, four threes. That was the right move we made. It's tough to get rid of a star, but depth, some starting lineup depth is sometimes more important. It's something the Lakers need to learn about. This entire thing is just us patting ourselves in the back as we're playing a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Not even playing a video game, watching a video game. All right, so we win game four. We're going back to Portland. We'll do we'll do one day sim. We'll see how we get it. Let's see if we can steal game five. That'd be huge. We did not Travel. play. Travel. <laughs> I'm just I'm so nervous I can't think. No. Ooh, put up 79 points in a real stinker of a game. Oof. All right, game four we're in Denver. We're doing this one day live. We're gonna see how it goes. Los Angeles won the other series four one. They're awaiting the winner of our series. We have a a winner go home here in Denver versus Portland. Jerry R R Martin got all my faith. I agree. Let's sim hard. Oh, we're running away with it to start. We're up. Oh, never mind. We were up 12 to 4, and now we're tie in the first. This is the most stressed I've been about numbers and like words rushing on the screen. Yeah, right. Who knew basketball simulator could be so stressful? Our entire reputations on stake here. End of the first quarter, though, we are up 34-27, so not bad. Good first. We're shooting very well. And so, so my fear now becomes we can win at home, can we win on the road? And I, I'm hoping I'm not jinxing us because we still have to win this one here, but it seems we have more success at home on the ro- than on the road. Ugh, they're pulling away, though. Zach Hall's injured, though. That could be big, but they're Just rallying me. around it. They're up 10. <laughs> Come on, Gary. Help me out. Gary, you got to start balling out. Chip away. Chip away. Okay, we are. Tight. We brought it back. We're done by 10. Now we're done by 3. We're up by 1. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Rally around the injury. Be like Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're up by 3. We can hold it. We're up by 3 going into the 4th. 88-85. We're holding a slight lead here. Again, their best player is out, at least for this game. Who knows for for a potential game seven, but huge for us. No question. 
We're up by seven with five minutes left. Can we hold on? Have faith. Have faith uh, in our high. Oh, we're up. Oh, I think we're going to run away with it. We're up by eight, eight with we're a minute left. I think we're all good. Game. Looks like we're going to take it. Game seven awaits. We survive and advance. Oh. oh, in four seconds. There it is. Yeah, don't jinx us. Chris Frazier. 20 and 20 for Remy Martin. 27 and 8 for Chris Frazier. Yeah, our guards balled out in this one. Anything off the bench? Yeah, 12 points off the bench from Geb Nasser. Geb Nasser. So, Gary Martin still chips in. Very important, very helpful. That's 20 and 20 is something you're never going to (laughs) see. That's very, that's Gary Martin fashion right there. All right. So we win game six. Let's check on Zach Hall for the Portland Roses. This would be huge if he's done for the series. He he is. He's six games. Yes. Life here going into game seven on the road against the one seed. Their best player, their point guard is out. This is Remy's time. We got to do a live sim. We've been two and zero on them. I'm not trying to jinx anything, but I want to oh, see us. We haven't Can lost we do a live it? sim yet. All right, here we go. Game seven for a spot in the Western Conference Finals versus LA. Oh, wait. Okay, so I hit the one day forward, and I think it's still on our game six. So let's. See if I go to game seven. Okay. We're all good. Didn't want to accidentally skip through it. I want this to be as stressful as possible. Got to go back to Portland. Okay. So we, they're the favorites, but we have a better overall because Zach Hall is out for the rest of the series. We need to take advantage of this and win. This is like my any given Sunday speech. We're going to We're we're a better overall team right now with the injury. So here we go. Wait. Oh. <laughs> oh, he hit. So he accidentally hit sim games, but we won and we're in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> yeah, we won in overtime, which would have been. Oops. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? It cuts us. It cuts this episode a little shorter. You know, it helps us out. <laughs> Gary Martin at twenty three and fourteen. Chris Frazier at eighteen and eighteen, six and seven. Yemi Achua twenty one. 16 rebounds, one assist. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, we yeah. played phenomenal. Our bench stepped up a little bit too. Two double-digit scores on the bench. If your bench gives you two double-digit scores, you're in a pretty good spot. Well, on that note, I messed up the most exciting, exhilarating thing. But we are in the conference finals. Sir. We're playing L.A. Uh, of course. And then on the flip side, it's Toronto versus who is Toronto playing on the other side? They are playing Detroit. Interesting. I need to show you Los Angeles for a second. They have two stars. Oh, boy. Donald Aiken and Jalen Garola, who are both freakishly good. So this is going to be tough. Their bench isn't very good. Just like the Lakers of now. (laughs) They know. They know. This is going to be a scary game. I like their name. I like them. I kind of want them to win. I'm kidding. But I hate you. <laughs> All right, game one. All right, let's uh, let's 
what's what's actually let's sim game one. That's how we've been doing it. Here we go. One day. <sighs> Lose by three. That's okay. Let's steal one in LA and then go back to Denver. Here we go. We take it. Yemi Achua, game-winning three-pointer with 2.3 seconds remaining. Not bad. Yemi boy. Game three in Denver. We take it by one point. Hey, you feeling it? Feeling a little bit, the tingles? I'm feeling good right now, but that's what gets me nervous where we can't choke. So let's see how our team did in game three. Donald Aiken and Donald Aiken and Jalen Garola combined for 38 points for their team, but Gary Martin, Yemi Achua put up 51 combined points together. Yep. And then we had Nakab and Chris put up an additional 30. The, the, the shooting of Chris Frazier this playoff run has been enormous. Mention to a whole lot. That's okay. That's the usual. Yeah. All right. Their bench did nothing, though, and that's what matters most. Amen. All right. Game four. Can we go up 3-1? Be huge. Don't pull, pull, pull LA in a hole. We go up 3-1. We're up. A, ma- a big win. A 15-point win at home. Now a chance to close it out in LA for a spot in the finals. Other series tied 2-2. Here we go. To the finals. Come on. Ah, Lose by 13. Up. So, win by 13, then we lost by 13. But, we're now at home court. Let's uh, let's do a live sim of it. Yep. Chance to win it. First spot in the finals. In your own stadium. Nowhere else you'd rather try and win it. Here we go. They got off to the immediate hot start, but we've quelled it a bit here. It's pretty back and forth right now. Tie game going into the end of first. We're up by eight in the second. Oh, no, we have lost that lead immediately. We were down by five in the seconds. We coming back. They they have like a three to five point edge on us. They They've had one just about the entire game so far. Down by one in the third, five minutes left, 70. And we got 69, so nice. feeling pretty good. Oh, boy. Stressful, man. We don't want to be the squad that was a 3-1 lead. But don't we are remind me. <laughs> Do not remind me. This is this is a safe space for 3-1 <laughs> leads. Gary's doing his thing. Oh, boy. Down by three going into the fourth quarter. Bring it back, team. Come on. Oh, this is stressful. Tie game, three and a half minutes left. 95-95. Oh, my God. It's tie with a minute left. Oh, no, they take the lead with two points. Come on, team. Tie game. Come on, Denver. Come on, Denver. First spot in the final. (laughs) Oh, they hit a buzzer. They hit a buzzer. Oh. Oh, boy. Game seven on the road. We've dropped two straight. 
This is getting this is getting mighty stressful. Wait, you should gotta read this for a sec. Chris Frazier attempts a low post shot. He bricks it. <laughs> That's just mean, but it's kind of funny that they have that in the simulation. That is pretty funny. All right, for all them marbles. Twenty six from Larry Edmondson. Those are real. He's been stepping up for them this year. He had twenty seven in one of the other games we simmed. All right. Look at our team. Jerry Martin didn't have a triple double, which is pretty, pretty bad for him. I know. All right, game seven on the road. Here it is. Okay, we'll go one day. Here we go. Got faith. Got faith. Gary, get us there. They're eight-and-a-half-point favorites, but we got a lot of heart. We got all the heart. Again, we're the better overall – or, excuse me, I think we are actually the worst overall team this time. We are. We have a 47 overall. They're, like, a 65. So. Yeah. Oh, boy. Come on, Gary. It's a rough start. Down five early in the game. Oh, boy, they're on a massive run right now. Oh, no. Oh, Here we go, though. Back. Come back. back. Trying to, at least. Oh, no, this is looking ugly. 37-21, halfway through the second. This is looking pitiful. We've blown a 3-1 lead. We did. We're going to blow this very, very badly. Just believe. Come on. Bring it back. Come on. We're hanging around. No, we're still down by 17. Yeah, this is over. Wow. Heartbreak in Denver. One twenty seven, one oh eight. Ugh disgusting. Disappointing way to lose game seven. Blew a three one lead. You hate to see it. Very, very opposite Denver fashion, but hey, you know what? Detroit even beat LA. Gary Martin, first team all league. Yes, sir. Yes, Bummer. sir. Bummer. You do also see LA's Don Allen on there, and Detroit had a guy on that first team. Tough, tough way to lose that end of our season there, but that was our best season yet so far. See, year, year three, we make it all the way to the game seven of the conference finals. It's a lot to build off of, even with an aging star. So here's a graph. Perfect's up here. Your fire is down here. We're like in the middle. So our owner thinks we're doing good now. Very nice. Look at us. Turned around. All right. Is there anyone we're looking at who are kind of like, huh, they're kind of good? That 72 potential is pretty decent. They'll be the first overall pick, I'd imagine. Oh, 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 that's right. We're not going to have a good pick here. I thought this was four up. That was all right. But maybe... What if we try and trade? I'm going to try, like, the seventh pick, you know? What would make this deal work? Okay. How about they want Nakem? I like the idea of keeping Nakem. He's young. 
Oh, th- so these are all our players and expiring contracts. So we're going to have a lot to re-sign this year. Oh, yeah. Um, the Cam is 23. I like, I kind of like him. I agree. I don't, I would, I would not want to give up Nakem. I think we're just going to, we're going to bite the bullet and go to our next pick. Yep. So. Overall right now, it seems like Jeremiah Ayers is the best overall. Really good potential too. Yeah. Looks like a pretty easy pick right here. And then. I feel like Sergey Ballenboy, good forward depth. Bolby. I love it. Bolby. Yeah, we're definitely picking Sergey. And then we'll go to the end of the draft. Nope. We got a lot happening because now we have all of our potential people we got to re-sign who I'm sure want money. But I'm going to look at the free agents. I want to see if there's someone we can potentially look into getting. Want a lot of points. That was the guy from Detroit last year that won him a title. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine bringing him in if we had money. We're going to need probably, I'm going to say, a, if if we want Cornelius, we got to bring in $23 million. Um, We're going to need probably like $15 million or so to bring in one of these guys. Mm-hmm. So... Let's look at her. Let's look at who we need to resign. Okay. Chris Frazier, very important player in the playoffs, played very well. $1.38 million. I feel like that's relatively reasonable to, uh, I'd say we sign him. Yeah. Three years worth. Hey, sounds good to me. Joe Estes. He cooled down a bit in the second half of that playoff run. I got a little worried about him. But here's my thought. Let's <coughs> assume he was starting. Mm-hmm. What if we put him as we could have him as a sixth man or off the bench? Yeah, it's probably probably a good spot for him. He's asking for $2 million a year. No biggie. Um, And then I think Keb. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had a couple good playoff games for us, I think. I think he's a good one to bring back as well. Maybe the, maybe we can let the other guys. I um, think we're going to have to make a hard look and release Arnis because I think we're going to try and look for a free agent. I think so. I think, I think bringing back Nasser, letting the rest of them go, I think that's, that's the way to proceed. Or if we look at our team, let's get a roster. Maybe someone I can just outright release. Yeah, true. Deshaun Wenzel, I'm kind of <laughs> – I'm sick of you, 27 Deshaun. overall. He's the bottom of the bench. Maybe we just let him, let him, let him go. Can I trade him away for anything? He was our second round draft pick. I know. Give me a, give me a second round back. <laughs> All right, never mind. You're just getting released. Oh, I did the Michael Beasley treatment where I tried. <laughs> I tried to get a pick from. Him. We're gonna get rid of Deshaun. I'm sorry. Uh, release. Okay. So now we have two roster spots. We have roughly $30 million in cap to work with, which is awesome. We just got to, I think, 
I think we're going to – should we – if we look at players, should we re-sign Arnis, or do you think he's worth letting go? I'm just – he's 31. He's probably going to start getting a little worse soon, isn't he? Probably. And Let, Let's see what free agency looks like, at least. Proceed. Sorry, guys. All right. We look at guys who score a lot of points. Who's asking for the most? So, let's potential and overall. We could look into uh, Kenneth Smith. He's a center. He's old, but we could maybe sign him for a year. I was going to say, maybe bring him on a one-year deal. That's not bad. Put shifty. Yeah. Let's take Kenneth. And then... Hopefully shifts Yimmy over to the uh, starting four instead of the five. And then let's peek we, at... We could bring back Arnis if we really wanted to. We could. He's up there. He wasn't the worst guy, but he's a little older. I'm wondering if we can bring in maybe one of these 27, 28-year-olds. I'm kind like of feeling Zach Walsh. scored pretty, pretty well. Or the guy below him, Andre Williams... I like the idea of him scoring a bunch of points. What what do we need? Let's look at our roster. I say it's we got point guard, forward, center, guard, forward, point guard, guard. So we need we need forward depth. Sounds like. Yeah, I think Andre Williams plus a guy named Andre Williams went to Parkland, almost won us a state championship, and then played like two years for the Giants. Yep. Now let's do it. Andre Williams, it is. You're going to get – you're 32. We're going to give you two years. Yeah. He starts. Well, it's going to sim to the end of the season. We're going to see where we're at player-wise, and then probably fingers crossed. There. Okay. Not terrible. No. Our team right now is 45 out of 100, which I think is egregious, but we're not in a bad spot. We have, everyone seems to be happy. We have a pretty solid team. Should we do to the trade deadline? Just rip it and then we'll leave off next time. Yeah, I'd say wait, like, like don't do, sim the trade deadline so we can come back, see if we need to make some moves, but yeah, just rip it real quick and pick up halfway through the season next week. All right. We'll do one month. One month. I'll do. Get us started. See where we're at. Gary Gary is the fourth best player in the league. I'll take that. Oh. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. We are currently 1-8, and eight, and now we're 3-10. We're and 10. Oh, yeah, this is a little different than it's been the last few years. Okay, I've got a little win streak now. Oh, uh, it doesn't matter. We're good. We're good. Easy. We're better. So okay. a month in, we're 10th in the conference, 11th. Okay, so we're, we're still in the play-in. I just want Vander Cooch. That's all I want. I have always wanted Vander Cooch. 
Minnesota won't give him up, which makes me upset. Josh Allen? Josh, Josh Allen? <laughs> Went to a comedy show last night, and, like, people, like, were – the comedian was, like, talking about Bill's Mafia, and everyone was just cheering every time he said it. He's like, that's a little weird, don't you think? Everyone yeah, cheered. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well – we had a really good playoff run last season. We are off to a slow start, but I think Robbie and I are going to cook up some potential trades, maybe make our team a little bit better. But we're going to end it there. Another reason for you guys to come back. We're doing well cap space-wise, but maybe we're going to have to make some ambitious move to see if we can turn the team around. Yeah, we'll see what we can do to salvage this season next week but for now we hope you guys enjoyed the episode i'll be at a longer one so we appreciate you if you made it all the way to the end we'll be back with updated playoff slate maybe some baseball news all right what one last thing before i forgot miguel cabrera of the detroit tigers hit career uh got career hit number three thousand a milestone only a handful have have accomplished in their career so hats off to him we might have a slightly bigger baseball report in the coming weeks as the season continues to progress. As our Phillies are mediocre, we are hesitant to start our baseball reporting for the year. But we'll, we'll get to it soon. But for now, football, basketball, the highlights. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next time. Take care, everyone.